Hey, I'm Robert Pearson, and this is Follow the Leader. Uh, we're doing another blue-collar Bible scholar study. It's not really a study today, though. This is going to be one of the few that's based on my personal experience, uh, my personal mileage. Generally, I want everything to be just kind of a basic overview of the subject with enough keywords for you to go uh, get lost down the rabbit hole on your own. And uh, that's... Today's going to be a little different because there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff written on prayer, but there's not a lot to it. It's, you're just talking to God. That's it. Uh, and it's, you know, do you break the sentence down? Talking, communicating with language to God. Uh, directional preposition to God, an infinite being that created all of existence. Using language to communicate to an infinite being that created the entirety of the universe. Cool. All right, uh, we should say V, use a definite article, not a definite. All right, uh, that's it, that's it, I'm done. We can be done now. Um, to, to be more specific, when I say it's just talking to God, there's no, that means there's nothing else. Uh, you don't need a special magical posture, you don't need to do the, the sign of the cross to like dial God's cell phone number. Uh, you don't need a special rosary beads. You don't need any accoutrement or a special antenna or a tinfoil hat or anything. You just open your mouth and start talking with the purpose of communicating directly to God. You kind of are doing your own fourth wall break with the, the universe. Uh, I guess it'd be fifth wall break. Fifth, yeah, five, we're in four dimensions, uh, I think. So anyway, but yeah, you just, you, you look to, that's, that's why in the, the Bible so many people look up, they raise their hands up. Uh, modern uh, Christianity, we, we fold our hands and bow our heads. You, the, the only purpose in all of the symbolism and all of the posturing is to make it clear to yourself and to every others around you who you're talking to. If I just, as I'm at work, staring off into the distance, huh? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. No. Okay. What? I I'm insane. Until you see the Bluetooth, and then, oh, I know who you're talking to. You're talking to somebody who's not in the room right now. But if you just start speaking off into the, the dead air, people are gonna think you're crazy, or you're on a phone, or uh, something. But to be clear that you're talking to God, you exhibit you know, some sort of physical posture that makes it clear to yourself, too. Um, obviously, your your mind has to be in it, or it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, you're just waving your hands around or showing off for people, like, I'm praying because I, you know, close my eyes and, you know, put my hands together right before I eat. I ate. Uh-huh. No, well, you should be actually praying, you know, speaking quietly to yourself or quietly mouthing the words or just thinking intently in your head aimed at the big man. Uh, I think the best, like, if you're going to point to a movie where they get prayer right, the uh, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, every scene with Tevya is, that is exactly prayer. So my pedigree to say this, because I, you, you can't really discern exactly a biblical format for prayer outside of there are so many different postures people exhibit while they pray. And there are so many different ways people talk to God 
that you, you after a while you go, I see that it, it, the entrapping seemed to not matter. Uh, and then when you read the Psalms and you see the way the psalmist talks directly to God, he gets pretty sassy sometimes, man, for talking to an infinite being. Uh, and you realize, well, I guess God's tough enough to take it and, uh, you know, accuse him of injustice and how he allows the, the poor and the downtrodden of this world to suffer injustice and allows wicked people to get rich. God, what are you doing? How you, Do you even know how to run the universe? What's the deal, man? That um, That's fairly frank, especially when you're talking with the guy that rules the roost. He rules the uh, inner intergalactic universe roost. It's uh, the, the best way to just picture it is uh, go watch, if you haven't seen it, um, any of the scenes where Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof is praying or talking to God. It's, that's how you do it. You just talk to him. There's no special phrasing. You don't have to use these and thous. Uh, whatever language you speak most comfortably or most naturally is the language to pray in. Um, now, I'll get in some details, but understand the details are ways that people have historically prayed, and when you have a sense of history and tradition and uh, ceremony about how you pray, it helps you have reverence for the act of, of praying. It helps you remember who you're talking to and to not take the conversation for granted. However, you, you, you can, uh, we, we may approach boldly the, uh, the throne of grace. That's a quote from somewhere. It's on Hallmark cards and stuff too. Uh, I think it's out of Hebrew somewhere. So we have, we have, uh, we have the ability to approach God where he's at and speak to him plainly as you would speak to a friend. Now, that has some logical consequences because the idea is very simple, but the consequences of that idea are kind of staggering that you as a small, finite little meat bag can communicate with an eternal, infinite being that made everything and then put you in it and then deigns to talk to you. That's, that's a little crazy. I, I got sidetracked after mentioning my pedigree. So the reason I'm going to speak about this um, authoritatively is because I've been in the church since I, uh, I don't know, my entire life. I was dedicated as a kid. I grew up in church all the way and uh, out of high school, went to Bible college and then dropped out of Bible college and started a family and became an electrician, hence the blue collar Bible scholar thing. I've got all this Bible knowledge rattling around in my brain, kind of going to waste, turning screwdrivers. So I thought, hey, here's YouTube. Why not do something with it good and uh, help other people? Uh, for those of you who wonder and know some of the, the theological nuance to things, uh, I was grew up uh, in Southern Baptist churches, then we moved to non-denominational churches, and then I went to a Christian church, Church of Christ, uh, instrumental Christian church, Church of Christ Bible College, and then uh, currently attend an Assembly of God congregation and am a, a member there um, and do not be fooled my theology is my own I believe what I believe about the Bible and about Christianity because of my own readings in the Bible and not what any denominational head or a pastor may tell me or, or say is the proper way to understand the Bible um, I, I've come out where I have doctrinally because of my own personal Bible study so just for that that's that's where a lot of this is coming from is uh, a cursory glance at my personal theology of prayer. I'm not going to reference any specific Bible verses. It's easy for you to look this stuff up. And you could use the practice, probably. 
So, um, you just talk to God, and the first element of prayer that is uh, the one that seems to have the widest roots that everybody says, and is uh, fundamentally true as far as I've seen, is prayer changes you. Uh, when a small, tiny, finite being communicates with a gigantic, infinite God, uh, the answer is no a lot of times. If you're asking a question or expressing frustration, to a large degree, nothing changes. And so you're, you're faced with two choices. Either immediately lose faith and become an atheist, or assume that God knows more than you do. And maybe you don't understand everything that's going on. And so that's why you didn't get a Lamborghini, even though you prayed for it really, really hard. So everybody who grows up in the church has that, that time when they're a kid where they, they realize the magnitude of, like, God actually can give you anything. And you start praying for Lamborghinis and superpowers, and then it doesn't happen. And then you kind of mature in your theological understanding of how God sets the universe in motion in a very specific and particular way. You are expected to grow and change, not God. Now, to leave prayer there is, I think, a very anemic theology of prayer, because it's kind of powerless. Like, I, I can learn metaphysical lessons in a lot of ways. Talking to the ceiling isn't one of the ways I would particularly enjoy learning metaphysical truths. I would much rather learn about God and the way the universe works by reading my Bible or uh, learning from people who are you know, much older than I am and have seen more of life and life's lessons. Frustratedly fuming at the ceiling and then seeing that nothing changes what are we doing? That's that's all prayer becomes is yelling at the ceiling. If uh, effectively God doesn't listen, God doesn't change anything, and you're expected to change. Uh, so that's there is an element of that in prayer when the answer is no, or when the answer is not yet, or when the answer seems to be you need to wait. Um, Points. My parents prayed fervently for seven years before I was born. They had no children, and they were praying for children for seven years, uh, which is kind of a nice biblical number. And then um, my my mom became pregnant with me. So, like, sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes the answer is no, flat out. Like, you're not getting superpowers, bud. That's too bad. You, you want to be able to fly. You can't. Uh, you guys invented airplanes. You, that's good enough. You know, jetpacks are on the way. Just be patient. So that's, uh, that's part of it, but it can't be all of it. There has to be a, because uh, the question then becomes, you know, would my parents have always had me at the exact date and time, whether or not they prayed for it or asked. And if your answer is, your prayers don't change anything, why pray? Well, because prayer changes you. Well, I can change on my own. I'll, I'll learn life lessons and metaphysical truths some other way. I don't need to yell impotently at the ceiling. Also, that view does not reflect what we see in Scripture. What we see constantly in Scripture, starting with the uh, 
So, so God talks directly to Adam. He talks directly to uh, Cain and to um, Noah after him. And it, but it seems like the first time we really have somebody who talks with God instead of God talking to them is Abraham. And even then, God starts the conversation and he says, Hey, you, go out to the desert. And Abraham's like, all right, cool. And as the, the relationship goes on, Abraham talks with God, talks back to God, and at one point, as far as we can understand, changed God's mind with uh, regarding the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're ultimately destroyed anyway. Um, but God took the time to deliberate on whether or not he was going to tell Abraham what he was about to do. And then he just tells Abraham, hey, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because they're a bunch of just awful, awful human beings. And Abraham then proceeds to negotiate with an infinite being and change his mind. And you can you can argue the theological nuance of, well, did God put on an elaborate ruse and allow Abraham to imagine that his mind was changed? Ah, that feels an awful lot like lying for, uh, that's, uh, God can't lie. Well, we have that plainly stated elsewhere in scripture. Uh, also for an infinite being that creates via speaking into existence, I think it's functionally impossible for him to lie because the moment he says anything it becomes true if it's the universe isn't already that way uh, so it, it would seem that either God kind of skirted the edges of being untruthful and allowed Abraham to feel as though he had changed God's mind or God genuinely changed his mind uh, which is an interesting uh, theological premise, but one that we're kind of forced to face because Abraham just straight up negotiates with him. He's like, well, will you spare the city if there are 50 people there? 50 righteous people that don't deserve to die? You're going to kill them? Well, okay. And he's like, yeah, 50 people's a lot, but I mean, 40? is Even, even if, there's, if there's only 40, if they just barely miss it? Ah, you know, 40, 30, 20, 10. I think 10's the, the final number. Uh, he says, you know, if there are even ten people, God, you're not gonna, you're not gonna spare it. You're gonna kill ten righteous people because they got a bunch of idiots living around them. Is that really fair? You know, don't don't be mad. I don't want you to be angry with me. I'm just asking. Is there a, a way we could could handle this? And uh, God concedes and says, you know, if, I'll spare the city. Uh, it turns out that's not the case. And turns out the angels that show up to the city to just hang out. Um, the town folks there immediately begin to uh, attempt to forcibly sodomize them. Uh, that's why that verb is called what it is, of the city of Sodom. That we may know him. Send them out so we may know them. Uh, it's, uh, it's a rough place. So, the, the way that I've processed it is simply that as far as we, all we need to know is that that's how it works for us is yes, you can affect reality, you can change the mind of God, you can intercede for others and expect that God will move in this world on your behalf. 
And that's how we see the early church in Acts pray. That's how we see Jesus pray. Is there are times he asks God to do things or does things in the name of God, and bam, miracles happen. And there are other times also where he asks God in, in a in humility. You know, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, famously, you know, if there is any other way to do this, please let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die a horrible torture death if I don't have to. I totally will because your will, God, not mine, is what's important. So I will obey anything that you tell me to do. I'm just, I, wanna, I want this in the suggestion box that I'd really rather not if there's another way to do the same thing. And so that's, that was another place, right? The, the prayer Jesus has, it's answered, no. Uh, you're going to have, this is the only way, bud. Uh, we're going to have to do it this way. This is how it's going down. And Jesus is uh, humble and obedient. Obedient unto death, even death on a cross, uh, instead of Philippians. So, the, uh, it's important to understand, God exists entirely outside of time and space. Entirely, completely exists beyond time and space. We're talking about the the difference between us and God is bigger than if you were able to communicate with a stick person who only lived on a piece of paper in two dimensions in black and white and you were going to try and explain to them what a rainbow colored beach ball looked like. They have no context for it except maybe a circle and that's about it. Um, but for them to comprehend what size and shape you are and how, what are colors? Like, how do you explain color to somebody who doesn't see colors? How do you explain sound and music to, to somebody who has never heard anything before in their life? Uh, you, you, you can't, really. It's, it's always going to be in metaphor and symbols and in, uh, in ways that, that aren't going to fully represent the truth of the matter, but will, will be as close as that person can understand. And so it is with God in our understanding. And as far as we are given to understand prayer... That's all we have. We can change God's mind. The answer is not always going to be yes, but it's just like talking to any other human. You know, hey, could you hand me that pencil over there? Sometimes the answer is no. Other times the answer is, yeah, sure, here, I have a pencil. And so that's, that's it. That's all we're given to understand is that we can talk with God as though we talk with other people. And sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no. And, uh, but always know that he's there and always, always talk, always tell him what's on your mind. And so that it's a long way to really say, just try not to think about it too much. Uh, yes, prayer changes us, uh, because communicating with an infinite being should always leave some indelible mark upon your soul. That's just big fancy words. Um, you know, but you should always be changed forever when you speak with God Almighty. So, that's, that's it though, but he, somehow we can also change his mind and affect the world around us by simply asking the Creator God to make changes for us. Um, whether to heal people, or to in, encourage others who are far off, 
or to, to comfort families who've lost someone, to know and trust that God is at work in this world and at work on our behalf if we, if we only ask Him. So, now we've come to, well, how, how do we pray then? What are some details? Because uh, we've still sort of talked in the clouds a little bit. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What does it do? Uh, so, postures for prayer, the, the classical Hebrew posture, uh, the one that shows up a lot in the Old Testament, especially when Moses is praying, is uh, just hands up, head up, looking to the sky, uh, talking to God. Tevye does it over and over again in um, the... Uh, Sorry, I am in traffic right now, so I've got two things going on in my brain. Is the, the one from Fiddler on the Roof, a classic Tevye of just throwing your hands up and talking directly to God as you would to anyone. Uh, the other posture, the one that's common now in uh, Christian circles, is putting your hands together in some way and speaking with your, uh, your head bowed forward and your eyes closed. I'm going to do that because I'm driving. And simply speaking to God that way, um, you know, whether out loud or under your breath or whatever you have going on. The um, the the fundamental part, though, is that you direct it to God in some way. So these are the these are the common body language that that people use to clearly communicate to others and to have some. Um, some physical way of showing respect and reverence to God. Um, obviously, you have uh, kneeling by the, the bed, the classic kneeling, or um, um, some people lie prostrate on the floor. Daniel does it, I think, when he's... Uh, yeah, he, that's uh, Daniel prays on the floor facing Jerusalem, uh, which is where the, the Muslims get there praying on the floor facing Mecca, because they originally were facing Jerusalem until uh, I don't know, a couple, 500,000 years ago or whatever. They, uh, they, they switched how they did it. So they, um, but yeah, so praying on the floor, on your face, you know, face down on the floor for just a complete sign of reverence and respect. That's, uh, it's that it, that's it, man. It's that simple. Like I, you can pray while you're driving. Just don't, you know, don't bow your head, uh, but just begin talking to God the way I'm talking to YouTube right now. Right. It's just where it's a matter of where you direct it and uh, what you're saying and why. And uh, so what do you say? Uh, easy, easy prayer formats are ask anything. Just ask him what's on your heart. Um, ask him to explain stuff. Ask him to show you things or reveal things. Uh, ask him to help people. Ask him to give you things that you need. I don't ask him for anything. And it's in that process of what you see happen in your life that you'll start going, oh, well, you know, I still don't have a Lamborghini, but... Uh, you know, my, my mom got better when she was sick. That's cool. So you, you start understanding what things to ask for and what things not to ask for. But it's it's trial and error. You need to ask and, and pray. Because there are times people pray for cars if uh, if you need. Or people at churches a lot of times. I've heard a lot of um, underprivileged churches. They're like, God, we need a van. It's got to be able to do this. It needs to fit this many people. Uh, it's got to do all this stuff. And, you know, it's a sign of your provision and providence. Uh, we want it to be blue. And within a week, that church, they'll come across a blue van in their price range with all the features they wanted. It happens like clockwork. It happens all over the place. So it's, uh, it's important to know. Just ask. You don't know. So ask for anything. Everything. And uh, just trust that whatever answer you get, that God's there. 
just like you know the sun's still there even though it's covered up by clouds or it's gone down you know it's still somewhere there's object permanence with things around us i don't know why there some people don't have object permanence with the infinite deity that made the heavens and the earth oh well um do 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 so yeah the other thing you can do is as you pray stuff to stuff to say is uh to be thankful right so also give thanks it's not just a vending machine he's not a, a giant eternal vending machine you you have to you you have to be grateful for the things that you get picture prayer as a child asking their parent for a cookie right hey hey uh dad can i have a cookie no that's that's the way little babies act not the way full-grown adults should act so if you're an adult asking god for something and the answer is no should you get upset and mad at him okay so if you know hey dad can i have a cookie and the answer is yeah sure here you go yeah and you run off that's very disrespectful to not say thanks because i didn't have to give you a cookie you didn't earn that cookie I gave it to you because I like you, and you're my child, and I love you, and I want you to be happy. And, yeah, it's not going to hurt to have a cookie right now. So the proper response, right? How do adults act? Hey, could I have a cookie? Yeah, here you go, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Then enjoy the cookie. Don't. And then if, if somebody asks to share the cookie you were just given, are you going to go, well, no, it's my cookie. Go away. No. Oh, yeah, sure. I just got it for free. Yeah, all right. I'll split it with you. Free cookie. That's prayer. When God gives you things that you ask for, don't covet them. Be willing to share them. Because you got it for free. You got it from God. You know, even if you spent your money, where'd that money come from? Uh, you earned it at a job. Okay, where'd that job come from? How did you get that job? Uh, when you follow stuff all the way back, even if it's not directly while I prayed for the job in God, even if it's like, well, I had a great resume. Cool. Why do you have a good resume? Oh, you had a good uh, upbringing. Cool. Why did you have a good upbringing? Did you get to pick which parents you had? Oh, okay. Where did your parents come from? How were they in a place to have you to give you a good upbringing? I mean, eventually it gets back to God made the heavens and the earth, and now you. Everything you have comes from God, no matter how much you work and strive to achieve it. So there's that weird balance between I earned it and God gave it to you because you earned it. So... Um, things specifically you can pray are, um, pray Bible verses. You can pray scripture. When you find people in the Bible praying, you can use those prayers. Uh, you can take the prayers and kind of break down thematically the ideas they use. So uh, an easy one is the Lord's Prayer. You can straight up pray that to God. Don't just say it like vain repetitions and chant it. Because that, obviously that doesn't mean anything. But you can say the words and mean each one and direct all of them to God. That's awesome. That works. Uh, that's what the rosary beads are for, is to just keep track of how many times you said it, uh, with the understanding that you would actually say it. You'd actually mean it, not just you know, I chanted it ten times. Boom, I'm done. I'm out. That's, that's silly. Uh, Psalms is replete with awesome prayers. It's absolutely chock full of great prayers. Psalm 51 is a prayer of confession. That's the one uh, David prays after the whole Bathsheba incident. It's, it's no good for him. Uh, but that's the one where, um, you know, renew a right spirit within me and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Um, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. The, that's Psalm 51. 
and it's a, it's a great like heartfelt psalm when you're trying to put your words, uh, your feelings, and your ideas, and how you're at, how you feel, and where you're at in life into words. There's nothing new under the sun, and you're probably not the first person in the history of mankind to feel the way you do right now. So if you dig through the Bible, you're going to find places, especially Psalms, where the, the, the writer has, is in the same or a very similar place to where you're at. And you'll find they almost always have the perfect words to express how you feel. And it's okay to use those. Uh, it's also okay to just, you know, tev you out and just talk to God the way I'm talking to you now. And you'd be like, ah, oh, man, God, this sucks right now. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe you let me lose my job and get fired. I'm pretty pissed about it. Uh, one of the best examples um, of that kind of prayer uh, almost wasn't prayer in uh, Open Range. Robert Duvall's character from the movie Open Range, they just had a, a good friend of theirs get murdered by some thugs, and they shot the dog. It's a, it's, they're, they're living a country music song. Uh, well, old country western. Everything's that garbage hip hip hop now. But the they're they're like, well, I suppose we should say something. They take their hats off and and get get real religious for a second. And uh, the guy who uh, Kevin Costner looks over at Robert Duvall and says, well, would you like to say something? And he goes, no, I'm not talking to him right now. I'm still mad at him for letting uh, a good boy like Moe's and a nice dog like that die. I'm no, I'm not talking to him right now. I'm upset. That is such a beautiful, sincere way to understand that the relationship with God is, in fact, a relationship. And sometimes you get mad. And sometimes you just gotta, like, I'm not talking to him right now. I'm upset. And that the understanding is I'm not talking to him right now. And you aren't gonna stay upset forever. That'd be stupid. So at some point in time, you're going to come to grips, and then you come back around, and then go, all right, I'm sorry for being upset with you, but, man, I still think that sucks. And that's, that's exactly where the Psalms, uh, if, you, if you find a Psalm where it says, you know, God, why do, the, uh, why, why is, why do bad things happen to good people? And there's tons of Psalms where they ask that exact question, and over the course of the Psalm, it eventually comes around to, God, you rule the universe, you are good and just, and I trust that eventually... You're going to show up and level the playing field and make sure everybody gets their just desserts. And, um, you know, because you were the defender of the orphan and widow and stuff. So, that's, oh well. Um, obviously, you can, um, you can pray out loud. You can pray silently to yourself. You can pray in writing. A lot of people keep prayer journals where they write down the prayers they're praying. That is a thing. And um, so now here's some stuff. Obviously, you can find verses like this or find people who, you know, famous expositors that pull this exactly out of Scripture. I don't have specific verses for any of this. This is, I've been a Christian my entire life and some Bible college training. And uh, so it's just my mileage. Uh, spend time listening. So, so when you, like in your prayer setting, either at the start or the end or in the middle or somewhere, consistently take time to just sit quietly in the moment of praying and without thinking or speaking and just sit there focusing on God. Don't open yourself. Don't, um, don't think about chakras or anything. You just got done asking God a question or saying thank you for something and then just pause for response and wait. Um, a wonderful book on this element is uh, Bill Hybels, uh, Power of a Whisper. Or uh, loud as a whisper. I think it's loud. As, I think it's power of a whisper by Bill Hybels. 
and it's uh it's it's a good book because that's it's important listening doesn't get mentioned often enough and he wrote an entire book about it um, I don't know about his personal life. There's always scandal around pastors over gigantic congregations. The book itself is good. Uh, so for what it's worth, you know, use use that. And uh, an important thing also, aside from also t- aside from taking time to just sit and listen and uh, give God room to speak to you, is also it, some people say they hear an audible voice. Um, sometimes it's just that inclination that comes out of nowhere where you, um, I should do this or I should do that, or you should do that. Um, that that's where that's you, you hear not exactly words or, um, it'll be like a phrase that is really poetic and it, it answers the question you had. And the more you mull it over in your head, the more it kind of unfolds to be very true over time. Uh, quick personal testimony. I, I'm relatively physically fit. I've got my act together in my personal life. There's a lot of bad things that I don't do and a lot of good things that I do do. Uh, not to brag, just that's, that's how I've always lived. I, I was fortunate enough to raise in a, a wonderful Christian home and uh, had the sense to follow my Christian upbringing on into adulthood. Not to say I haven't made mistakes, but by and large, I'm pretty on the ball. And then it frustrates me, though, because everything in the Bible that talks about strength or being... Uh, being the stronger brother or the more competent or the more mature, all you do all the time is take care of ignorant people that aren't smart enough to take care of themselves. Um, Paul has an entire passage about, you know, yielding to the weaker brother. Uh, So the guy who's able to do whatever he wants in Christ, because he knows how things roll, has to now pander to this um, whiny infant who is, that's not allowed and that's not allowed. I think this is immoral. And it it just, it bothers me because that... attitude was all over the the new testament this I'm, I'm coming around to it i'm not saying that that is the case now or what i believe currently but it it bothered me this is this is the, the way you wrestle with god is you you mull these ideas over in your head i didn't immediately go christianity's alive and, and run off into the into the wilderness and become an atheist that that would have been stupid uh, everything else about scripture pans out it's true and you can see it at play in the world and it, it works out and it fits logically but that one thing bothered me, and so I just kept mulling it over and asking God about it or uh, bringing it up to people I knew that were good Christians or pastors, and I'd find another verse on it, and everything, just nothing quite sat right. It bothered me that in the story of the prodigal son, the second son has a really good point, and he's told, shut up and go celebrate your brother anyway. That's the answer he gets. He says, hey, you're throwing a party for this wild vagabond who showed up late after ruining his life, I've done everything you asked, and the answer I get is, well, yeah, you were supposed to. And that's, that's really frustrating. Uh, what good is it to be strong, then? What good is it if I could have gone and had fun, and then come back later, and I get a party, and I get restored, and I got to go have fun, what am I doing this for? And it, it just bothered me. Like, what good is being strong? What good is doing everything right? And the answer that eventually I'm just, I hadn't heard this exact phrase anywhere, but I just got done asking the question one day in frustration because it had been really bothering me that week. And the only, it just popped into my head as if out of nowhere. 
your strength is not your own. And I was like, what? And that was it. Just that phrase in isolation, in a vacuum. It doesn't show up in scripture. Uh, the idea is scriptural, I guess. But I'd never heard anybody say it before. And I was like, well, all right. And the more I molded over, the more I started to see that that's why there are strong people is because there are weak people. Because we need each other. Because we're not supposed to live in isolation and just abandon people that aren't cool enough to take care of themselves. There are rich people because there are poor people. It's a chicken and egg. It's a both and. It's a yes and. Uh, there are Some people are rich and have way more than they need because some people are poor and don't have enough. That's why. But God's not going to make you or force you to use your strength in that way. You're, you know, do whatever you want, pal. You're a free moral agent. But the, the better thing, the right thing to do is when you are in a place of privilege, when you are in a place of strength, look for ways that you can use that strength to help others. I'm a good electrician. So I look for opportunities at church that I can use my electricianing. I'm a strong electrician, and, you know, most every pastor is a weak electrician, uh, except for Pastor Bill. And uh, it's, it's important to know. So you, I use that strength to help w- people that are weak in electricianing. And so in that every facet, you know, I'm stronger than my wife. So I can carry things around the house. That's why my wife is weaker, so I can help her by carrying heavy things. It's a, it's a both and. So that was a big tangent. But that's why you want to listen, is you don't get those little moments if you're just like, Dear God, I, I like ice cream. Amen. Thanks for ice cream. Amen. And you just run off and do something else. You don't get those moments if you're not listening and you're not um, being open. And you're also not being honest. Always be honest. It goes without saying. You, you can't lie to an infinite being. So don't. Um, always be open about how you're feeling. Don't, you know, like, well, I'm going to be polite right now. Just be upset. Be mad. Um, tell God when you're upset. Tell God when you think he's wrong. I mean, he's a pretty tough guy. He could take it. So tell him. Be honest. Uh, and that open range scene was so good of just that, the raw sincerity. That's, that's the way you talk to God. That's, that's good theology right there. Um, just read the Psalms and you get a good sense of how the ancient Hebrew prayed, uh, how they, how they thanked God for things, how they worshiped. Uh, a lot of them are worship songs, but there are many songs where they just, their prayers always confess, uh, wrongdoing to God. Um, it, uh, yes, he sees everything. He already knows it, but there's something, this is back to where, how prayer changes you. There's something in you that gets fixed when you admit to God what you've done. That was the chance he gave Adam and Eve when he said, why do you know you're naked? Why are you hiding? Pregnant pause. He allows you an opportunity because it's good for you to say what you've done. That's why every parent, who broke this lamp? And you're looking at, you know, a child holding a baseball bat in the living room. You know who broke the lamp. But we we like instinctively know he needs to tell me. He needs to face his shame and own it and, and, uh, and admit what he's done. And uh, I, another thing, I work on construction sites. I've worked in factories and stuff. 
don't be afraid to cuss if it's genuine. Don't just start cussing at God. But don't be upset or filter your language because you don't want to cuss. If you're upset and it's genuine and they cuss words happen when you get upset and you're tired and if you're if you're praying and upset and tired, you know, it's no better time to pray than when you're upset and tired. God's not going to smite you because you, you drop some expletives. If it's Once again, it, it goes back to being honest. Be sincere. If that's where you're at, that's where you're at. And, uh, you know, don't need to hide or shield him from it. Once again, he's, he's a big, tough guy. And uh, just always, always unabashedly bear your soul to God. What you want, what you need, uh, what you'd like to know, people you're worried about, situations you'd, you'd care for. Um, you know, ask for wisdom. Always, always pray for wisdom, and God will give it to you. That's in James chapter 1. Go look it up. Um, I'm not just telling you to look stuff up because I'm lazy. That is part of it. Uh, but... Uh, it's important also to go double-check what I say and not just rely on me. Uh, and I'm lazy. It's a both-and. It's a both-and. It saves time. I'm, I'm a busy guy. I've got kids and stuff. Uh, that's all I got. I've, there are little, like, notes here written on parts boxes. So, all right. It keeps me from rambling too bad. Take care of yourself. God loves you. And uh, never take my word for it. And I'll see you next time. Godspeed.